Hey everyone, this week's episode is quite special because uh, Squidge and I had the great fortune to interview Andrew Dickinson. He's the author of the fantastic new book, Dreamcast Year One. He's also the host of the Dreamcast Year One podcast, one of the folks behind the Switch Island, and Three Pricks and a Podcast, which is about F1, and a contributor to the Dreamcast Junkyard. In this episode, we talked about the Dreamcast, some of the events from the first full year of it being released, Andrew's new book, and the games that Andrew would pick in order to introduce someone to the Dreamcast. So without further ado, whatever did I do with my ado, here's our interview with Andrew Dickinson. Also, definitely check out his book. And welcome to another episode of the Waffling Tailors Podcast. It's me, Jay, uh, sometimes known as Caprogman, but with me, as always, is Squidgy. Say hello, Squidgy. Hello, Squidgy. How you doing, Squidgy? Hello, Squidgy. Off to a flying start. Oh, of course, yep. Flying like your uh, your goose thing you were doing earlier. That's the one. Can't hear that in audio, <laughs> but I'll leave it. In. But yes, so uh, yeah, we're doing another episode, but this time we're joined. By, uh, would you prefer if we referred just as Andrew, or is it? Would you prefer the full name? How would you... <laughs> Andrew's fine. You don't have to say my full name every time you refer to me. It's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> that would be a bit weird. It's not that formal. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> fair enough. Okay, so yeah, we're joined by Andrew, who is the author of a brand new book called uh, Dreamcast Year One. He's also one of the 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 main contributors to a podcast of the same name. And I believe you work on Switch Island as well, and a brand new podcast that only just premiered a few days ago about the Grand Prix, yes. although that may end up being put off because the Grand Prix has been put off. Yeah, yeah. It basically, it's a podcast about the coronavirus at the moment, so but, you know, it'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Okay, um, so... Uh, let's, let's just refer to my show notes because I completely forgot what I was going to do. Yes. Um, so <laughs> absolutely professional, you know, <laughs> consumer yeah, professionals. Today, right? Yeah. Yeah. Consumer professionals. I've only been doing this for like three years. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's every day. Every day is a school day, you know what I mean? Um, but I yes. So, uh, what we usually do is, uh, for those of you who are new to the show is it's usually Squidge and myself and we talk about video games and the video games we have played, video games we want to play. Um, mostly we focus on the older ones, but occasionally we'll talk about the, uh, contemporary titles like Resident Evil 3 and things mm. like that. Uh, but like I said, uh, today we're going to talk mainly about Dreamcast and Dreamcast Year One and, uh, essentially why you should buy this book because it's really, honestly, really good. Um, it was a really good read. I've read it, read through it twice now. Uh, Squidge did a really quick emergency read of it this morning <laughs> mm. <laughs> in preparation. We were all a bit, a bit busy over the past mm. few days, but yes, it's, I think it's a genuinely good book. Um, there's some really good, um, even, even if I, I never say this about books, even if you only read it for like one or two sentences, I'm not trying to, I'm not, not trying to break down the book and say, I only read it for this page and that page, but like every page has something in it that you will uh that you'll glean some new information like uh there's an interview we'll come on to it later on hopefully with uh ex sega ceo bernie stoller where he talks about how it was his decision as to which bits of hardware went in the uh in the dreamcast and he pushed for the lower price point and things mm -hmm. like that so it's totally worth reading if you're at all interested in um 
uh, video game history and what was going on in the mid to late 90s. Spoiler alert, obviously. Oh, yeah, obviously, yeah, spoiler alert. (laughs) It's about the Dreamcast, right? (laughs) If you don't read it word for word, you should be all right. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That, I could totally do that. Story Welcome time. Welcome to the Dreamcast Book One podcast. <laughs> yeah. Hi for the podcast, uh, for the um, audio book. <laughs> Just read it for me. That's it. it on, uh, oh, I could do... The year was 1999. It was a warm season. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop reading One directly year. from the book. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, One sorry. We'll cut that, we'll cut that. <laughs> The Dreamcast, one CEO's special mission to release a cheap video game console. <laughs> that could totally work, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's the trailer right there. No, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we've waffled on for ages now, and uh, we haven't even given Andrew a chance to say more. Than, fault. Like two words. All right, I've waffled on for about about four minutes now, and I haven't given Andrew a chance to say two words. So, uh, welcome to the show, Andrew. It's great to have you with us. Thank you very much for having me. And I mean, it's the waffling Taylor's podcast. I expected you to waffle. It's just this part of the course, isn't it? <laughs> Well, yeah, I suppose it is, yeah, I suppose. Um, but yes, uh, I was wondering, could you give us a, a, a brief introduction to yourself and how you came up with the idea of writing the book? Yeah, it's something I've wanted to do for ages. Um, I'm not like a professional writer by any stretch of the imagination. My my only writing experience really is uh, a fan site for the Dreamcast when I was like 16, 17. Um, it's still available on, online. Um, unfortunately, everything online is available forever. So uh, my mistakes in writing are forever, <laughs> forever online. And uh, yeah, I, I, used to, I used to really enjoy capital letters and exclamation marks. Um, in the preceding 20 years, I've managed to, uh, I've managed to cut those down some what um so yeah i kind of I, I fell in love with the dreamcast back in the day and um i don't know ever since i've i've wanted to do something with it and it was only in the last few years that i kind of I, I guess i got my stuff together and went for it um i think it's it's that thing where you know if you go through any difficult time of your in your life you come out the other side and you go okay i need to I need to do something that means something. Um, and I went through like a, a period of depression and anxiety and uh, kind of managed to come out the other side. And I was like, okay, I've just spent like a good couple of years, like basically being sad. So let's do something that's a bit more upbeat and uh, and something that I used to be interested in when I was a kid. So yeah, the book kind of came out of that really. And uh, I just, a part of it as well was uh, it, it came out of, um, there's a book by Sandy Bry called PlayStation VTA one which I mentioned at the beginning of the book, which is a, a book about the first year of the PlayStation Vita. And I backed that on Kickstarter and the format was so great that I thought this would work really well for the Dreamcast. It's kind of tailor-made almost for the Dreamcast um, and to tell that story. So um, I approached Sandeep. He was really happy with for me to do it and away I went. And yeah, that was, I think I started the tail end of 2018 and now here I am and it's it's out. So yeah, that's uh, that's kind of... Why and how, I suppose, <laughs> all in one. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And uh, it was uh, it was on Kickstarter, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, to start with, is that correct? Yeah? yeah, that's right. Yeah, I put it on Kickstarter. Um, that was like mm-hmm. March last year. So it's taken about a year in total, just under a year to, to get it out. So yeah, Kickstarter seemed like the best idea because, uh, you know, unproven author, lots of money involved to make a book. And I didn't want to release a book that nobody wanted. So Kickstarter seemed like a good way to kind of gauge interest and make sure I wasn't just kind of releasing it into the ether for nobody to be interested in it. So, yeah. Sure. I can, I could totally get behind that. Um, a number of my developer friends, uh, for folks who are listening, I'm a normal everyday life. I'm a 
software developer, um, a number of my developer friends have been approached by a number of different uh, publication houses and were like, do you want to write a book on like this programming thing? And they would say, well, okay, yeah, what's, what's the deal? What's, is there a need for it? And uh, one of my friends went through a back and forth for almost two years writing this, uh, it was a series of uh, tutorial videos, but essentially writing a book and then reading it out um, and performing it as a video series. And by the time it came out, the technology that he was using and teaching about had moved on by like four versions. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff goes into uh, into books. I can totally appreciate mm. that. Ordinary life. Give yeah, life. right. <laughs> well, ordinary life. Well, yeah, I, there's nothing ordinary about me. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> okay um so uh with with the book who i guess do you have a specific target audience is it just everybody who loves the dreamcast or is it like anybody who's into like the history of video games what's the yeah i mean i'm i I kind of wanted to put a little bit for everybody in there like there's a little bit for people who kind of had the dreamcast back in the day and so there's a lot of nostalgia stuff in there like there's the interviews with people from the uk magazine publications that were out in the, the times so that kind of gives you a bit of nostalgia for you know if you had it back way back when there's also a lot of stuff that you maybe wouldn't know if you fairly need the dreamcast so i guess it's for people who are new because there's a, a lot of it there's a surprisingly a lot of people who are now picking up a dreamcast who weren't even born when it came out so uh, and they kind of want to probably learn about a bit more about the history of it so it's kind of for them as well and there's a little bit i guess for collectors as well because there's the library section at the back so it kind of gives you um a rundown of the games that came out during the time frame of the book so yeah i mean target audience probably everybody to a degree but yeah i, I guess it's it's mostly for people who really enjoy the dreamcast in whatever form that is whether that is as a collector um as somebody who owned one back in the day or somebody who's kind of getting into it now it's uh I, and yeah i guess if you really like game history and maybe you're not particularly a fan of the dreamcast you know in general as, as a console you'd probably still find quite a lot to enjoy about reading about how it came to be because it's a, it is a fascinating story regardless of whether i tell it or not the, the story itself as it played out was was one that's yeah i think a lot of people enjoy i don't know if enjoy is the right word but they they like to read about because there's a lot of highs and lows and um just interesting stuff going on at the time sure um what you said there about people who are getting into dreamcast now who may not have been alive at the time made me feel really old yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) and you know i mean i i was i was i have to admit i uh i no longer have my my dreamcast uh you have it don't you scratch yes it's in the other room yeah you got it in the uh no this is the technodrome isn't it (laughs) the other room the other room, yeah, but this this room is the technodrome. Technodrome, oh, right? yeah. yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, so Squidge has my uh, my Dreamcast, and it was one of those that was able to play the um, the backup discs without a, without a bootloader. Nice. So I was kind of lucky to have that. I didn't get it on release, but yeah, and I had that for a very long time. Played it. Uh, I would I want to say played it to death, but it hasn't died yet. Um, but because of the memory careless. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows that sound, right? They, yeah. <laughs> But um, I have to admit, I was playing, uh, I was using, uh, there's a, a thing called RetroArch, um, mm. uh, which is like an emulator front end. And I was playing um, a bunch of Dreamcast games with Flycast the other day on my computer. Flycast is a, a Dreamcast emulator. And um, they've even got it to work online now, which yeah. is amazing. So I can use my PC to play Dreamcast games online until I buy another Dreamcast. <laughs> Because it's, it's all about the OG hardware, you know, and that, mm. that horrendous disc loading sound. Like, 
part of the experience, right? Gives you nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But yeah, um, so you mentioned uh, earlier on that there's a lot of people from the UK, um, from the UK magazine uh, scene, I guess, <laughs> at least the Dreamcast magazine uh, scene. And there's a, a wonderful story in there about how the official Dreamcast magazine came to be as well. And it, it felt like, did you, th- that part of the book is made up of a number of interviews and it felt like it was two or three different magazine companies were sort of vying for the official title. <laughs> and then out of the two or three, it was some other company that got the, uh, the title, which is uh, quite an interesting story. <laughs> um, but yeah, and like I said earlier, and there's this the whole section of the book where you introduce, 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 introduce. <laughs> let me try that again. That needs a hack, doesn't it? Right. Um, where cool. That's the one. It's, this stuff is getting to my head. Now, there's a whole section of the book where you uh, interview uh, Bernie Stoller, the uh, the ex-CEO of Sega, <laughs> who I didn't even realize until I read the book, worked for Sony very shortly up until the he was called over to Sega to work on the Dreamcast, yeah. I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He worked on the um, original PlayStation launch and then moved over and then worked on the Dreamcast launch. So, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, so yeah, there's the it is it, seriously the story goes back to like nineteen I think I think it starts in ninety four. Yeah, the book that's right, and goes from there. So, but because it's year one, it just takes you up to like the end of two thousand, hmm. um, which is interesting because what I didn't realize is that the um, Dreamcast had like four completely different release dates <laughs> <laughs> for a whole year period. <laughs> <laughs> And then it felt like none of the marketing departments were even communicating with each other, right? Like uh, the UK uh, marketing department went, well, let's spend almost all of the budget on putting the Dreamcast Blue Swell on uh, football player shirts, but don't tell anyone what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mad. <laughs> it was mad. I don't think they even put the swirl on. I think they just literally put Dreamcast across the Arsenal players' shirts. And nobody, mm-hmm. unless you, in, unless you were kind of like, even remotely interested in video games, you'd have no idea what a Dreamcast was. And then I think the other way around in America, they decided not to tell anybody what um, about Dreamcast. They just released posters that had Sega on it. The, 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 the orange swirl was on it as well, but they didn't actually mention it was a games console. So it was a whole, a whole poster which had no reference to game console or what the game console was, or what the games were. And all you knew is something from Sega was coming out soon. Quite what it was, nobody knew. But yeah, it was it was crazy. Wow. Probably yeah. anyone knew it was probably a new Starbucks drink or something. <laughs> yeah. The Sega Dreamcast at Starbucks now. Yeah, <laughs> that's really interesting. So how did how did like those those interviews come about? Because I think I think you mentioned on an episode of the Dreamcast Years podcast that you knew one or two of the um, the folks in the in the UK Dreamcast scene, mm-hmm. but like. How in the heck did you, you just like look up Bernie Stoller <laughs> in the yellow pages and oh yeah, I'll do it. just dial this number and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was that easy. Um, but to be fair, actually, it, it did fall in my lap a little bit. So with, with Bernie, it was, I originally only wanted to do kind of, um, talk to people from the British or European scene because the, my kind of angle on it really was kind of more of a British perspective because whenever anybody talks about the Dreamcast, it's generally to do with America or Japan and people leave out the European side of things because it, you know, it's, it's you know, it's just the American um, journalism scene is bigger than ours. So, you know, you know, we all kind of, not all of us, but we, you know, we look at IGN and stuff like that for our, uh, our news and they will obviously just look at, american stuff for that so europe got left out a little bit and i wanted to 
you know, look at it from that perspective. So Bernie wasn't really in my, in my, you know, wasn't in my sights. I wasn't looking to speak to him. Um, and then somebody backed, it was during the Kickstarter that it happened. Um, somebody backed the book, a gentleman called Jordan Freeman, who runs um, a gaming platform called Zoom, Zoom Platform which is like for retro games on PC. So he kind of converts them and uh, his, his team converts them and, you know, these really old games and allows them to be played on modern PCs. And uh, Bernie is actually um, one of the members of the board of his company. Um, so that's how they know each other. And they also have a video game developer as well. They develop video games. They're kind of, uh, they've, they've got a couple in development at the moment. I think it's like a reboot of Mega Race. And then they've got like a new game called Shadow Stalkers. So with lots of famous people involved, so it's really cool. But anyway, he backed the books. He's a huge Dreamcast fan, Jordan, um, loved it to bits. And he said, oh, um, he kind of messaged me through Kickstarter. He's like, by the way, I know Bernie Solar because, uh, you know, he's like on the board of my company. And I was like, okay. And he's like, do you want, do you want to speak to him? And I was like, okay sure (laughs) so um that kind of started that off and we've um we've all three of us have been talking ever since and uh yeah i kind of i I don't know i don't don't know if i class bernie as a friend i class jordan as a friend bernie i speak to occasionally still um and he very kindly um sent me and the editor of the book um for helping him get like an article written he sent us both a an american dreamcast that bernie had signed so i now have a bernie style signed dreamcast sat uh, in my bedroom, which is, which is pretty awesome. So yeah, it was, it wasn't planned. It just happened. And it was a very nice, it was a very nice kind of turn of, well, I was going to say turn of phrase. That's a completely wrong thing. Uh, um, <laughs> twist of fate. <laughs> is that what I'm trying to say? It's something along those lines. Yeah. So yeah, no, that, you, you, you know, a guy who knows a guy who knows exactly guy, very well connected. Yeah. Yeah, very, very well connected. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's, it's always really interesting to hear about like, Oh, I know this person who knows this person. Mm-hmm. And it's people talk about the six degrees of separation. And I often find it's more like three, you know, you know, someone who knows someone and that's that person you want to get in contact with, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it is amazing just how small the world is. It's because everyone's got those connections. Everybody, you know, you can, you can post something on Twitter and someone can pick it up and it gets straight to who you want to, Mm. talk to it's it's quite crazy it worked out it kind of worked out that way for um the other interviews as well so uh casper field uh i kind of contacted him and the reason i contacted him obviously was the editor of dc uk uh for the first few issues so he was kind of like high on my list of people to speak to um but it transpired and i hadn't even realized this until i looked into it that he lived in the same city that i lived in Uh, i live in brighton so he lives in brighton and he at the time he was ceo of wish studios which was like a a company that made playstation 4 games so they made like that's you and uh knowledge is power those kind of like party game kind of things so i kind of i was like okay well we live in the same city let's meet up and and have a chat so we did um and so that was great so that was kind of nice but then from that he was like oh i know Ed Lomas, we used to live together. Do you want to speak to Ed? And I was like, yeah, sure. So that was great. And then Ed was like, <laughs> I was speaking to Ed and Ed was like, oh, I, I know this guy, Dave Kelsall. He, um, yeah, he did a pitch for the official Dreamcast magazine as well. Do you want to speak to him? And I was like, yeah, sure. So it just kind of all unraveled from kind of speaking to one person. I got to speak to lots and lots of people. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. That- by the time you spoke to the third person, you just walked up, you rocked up to whoever you were talking with, with the recording equipment, just in case. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know him. Do you want to guess? Just microphone straight out. Well, I mean, that's, so one of the things that I noticed listening to uh, DCY is that, uh, I don't know whether you were there, but a number of the people that you uh, collaborate with on that and on 
the Switch Island, which I guess we'll come on to later, uh, were at EGX this last yes. year, and we were. And I was carrying the mobile equipment with me. I was like, in case I meet somebody, yes. gotta gotta be ready to interview people. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, you've got to, you've got to, if, yeah, because otherwise, mm. opportunity knocks but once. You exactly, know? very true. Awesome. Okay, um, I would say we'll have more luck next time, but I see if there is a next. Mm. Time. Well. Yeah, for well, various reasons. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the whole climate at the moment is completely yeah. just stay indoors and listen to podcasts. That's all I'm going to say. Well, actually, mate, that yeah. gives me more reason to produce loads more podcasts exactly. and more reason for you to edit them. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you just like giving him work, really, don't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one of my one of my favorite features of the book is the uh, retrospectives, mm. where you sort of it's you and a few of your collaborator collaborators, I guess, who are looking back on um, on some of the the games for the for the Dreamcast. I think yeah, they were all launch titles. I'm not sure. Most of them were launch titles, but there were some games that launched prior to the 31st of March 2000 as well, which is when the book kind of cuts off. Those were those were brilliant because there were so many games. I mean. I did have a dream. Oh, well, I mean, you've still got any screen. Mm. I did have a Dreamcast with you know a big stack of games. Mm. I mean, that's I, for the people who are listening. I'm doing this, <laughs> and you can't see it, but about an arm's worth of four arms worth of games, right? Uh, which you know in the in the EU that was about four games <laughs> in, in, in a four arm or four arms worth. Of games. <laughs> yes, um, uh, but in the in of. the EU the the cases were a lot bigger, weren't they? Because they had yeah. to have manuals that supported um, five languages, but. <laughs> Looking at the the Code Veronica release you've got, Squidge, the Japanese Code Veronica, the case isn't really that much bigger. Um, it's teeny. But the point I'm getting at is that, you know, I had a number of games, um, and some of them were, uh, I don't know whether I can say this. So I worked for Big UK, you always get that bit wrong. I worked for Big UK Game Retailer like 2004 through to 2000, no, 2002 through to 2005. Mm-hmm. And when one of the stores closed, they were like, do some games? Because we can't sell them, I was like, okay, what? What do you mean? And it was just, it was really weird. It was just the discs and the manuals for a bunch of Dreamcast games. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll have them. <laughs> I'll take them. Sure. So I've got like, um, yeah, right. So I've got like, uh, I've got uh, Virtual Fighter and Shenmue Two unboxed. I've got the boxed versions as well, mm. but I've got like a whole stack of them. Like, uh, I want to say there's a Marvel versus Capcom, I think, in there. Just like the manual and the and the disc. Mm. which is a bit weird um mm. but yeah i had but the point i'm getting at is that, that although i had a number of these games several of them that are in the retrospectives i'd never played i remember talking to you squidge about oh there's this bit about blue stinger and we both kind of we looked at each other and giggled because <laughs> it's a silly game but i'd never played mm. it I, I remember seeing footage of it and i know that you can from the retrospective and stuff that you can buy guns because that's how it works from vending machines mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah but that's about it <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it was really, really good to sort of read back through some of these retrospectives for games that I'd never played. The other thing I remember about Blue Stinger is that there's always a locked door mm. yeah. wherever you go. It's always locked and you can never find the key. When you do find the key, all the enemies respawn. <laughs> you've got no ammunition left. Well, That's um, the other thing I remember about Blue Stinger. Fair enough. You're always out of ammunition and there's always a locked door. <laughs> In order to write those retrospectives, did you actually go back and replay those games? Or was that memories from, I mean, obviously, you know, I said it earlier, you know, a number of them were from collaborators, but the ones that you wrote, were they, oh, I bet they break out the Dreamcast and fire up Blue Stinger <laughs> or 
uh, Armada or uh, Godzilla, you know, those kinds of things. Did, did you, did you fire up the games and replay them? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I, I maybe didn't play them exhaustively. You know, I wouldn't have played them for hours and hours on end because I've, I've played them before many of them anyway. And I think, the memories of them um, are in some ways just as important as, you know, knowing how they play now. Um, so I think stuff like Power Stone, I probably played for a good two or three hours, but Power Stone is one that I come back to every so often anyway, because it's, it's a great game. Um, and Armada and God, Godzilla Generations, which you mentioned, both of those ones I actually hadn't played before, but because I wanted to cover a couple of games at least that never came out here, um, I kind of chose those two. Uh, Godzilla Generations was a launch title in Japan, and uh, Armada uh, was only ever released in America. And yeah, so I played those for the first time for the book, and um, one of them... I'm glad I played and the other one I'm I I, I wish I hadn't played. So <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, did that mean then I mean we're all friends here. <laughs> uh, um did that mean then um tracking them down via imports or was it the um slightly grey area of oh look I've got a GDMU or something or a CD burner I'll just hit this website. What was the See, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not bothered about that. You can, I mean, I, I think the GDMU is a great thing. I don't have one, um, unfortunately. Um, I think it's awesome. I'd love to have like a fully modded out Dreamcast with the GDMU and the DC HDMI and the Dream Pie and all that kind of stuff, just like modernize the crap out of it. But, um, for the, for the purpose of the book, I, I imported. So luckily things like Godzilla Generation is actually pretty cheap. So, um, I think for good, for good reason um so i uh, yeah i imported and, and played them that way so just the the old boot disc trick that's that's how oh, i got yes. to play them yeah that's fair enough that's fair enough i mean you can't be expected to just fire up a you know get a dreamcast gut it and then install everything just yeah. out of one book <laughs> yeah it's, it's not just that trying to track down the games you can't always guarantee there'll still be any left mm. really or, they might be super rare really expensive yeah, yeah. or there might not be any left in print in existence yeah or in in good quality you know in good mm. uh, condition you know um, without the disc being scratched to hell that was one of the things so um around around april time last year um i went out to uh, japan with a bunch of friends and i walked into a store because it's the the only i only had like two hours during one of the days to go off and do my own thing because mm. I was like translator for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of dumped everyone at this cafe. and was like, don't worry. They know what you want and they're going to keep bringing it. I'll be back in two hours. <laughs> Got to go run to this video game store. And I had, you know, Google maps. I was like, oh, it's down here and around there and over here and over there. And I got to this store and, and I was like, oh, there's the PlayStation 2 games. There's the whatever games. There's this and the other. I wasn't looking for myself. I wanted to get something for this guy, you know, for Squidge, mm. for, uh, for a present or something. When I got there, I was like, oh, cool. They got PS1 games. I wonder if they got, wow, they do. They've got Final Fantasy IX. This is awesome. So I took the box to the counter and I asked in pidgin Japanese, because I'm not I'm not the best at Japanese. I did study it for a number of years, but it's been years since I've actually come you know, like proper, mm. had a, a deep conversation with someone. And I, I wasn't sure of the words to say for, can I check the discs, please? But, you know, I got the, got the point across to him and they were in perfect condition. And I was chatting to him and he's like, hey, your Japanese is all right. It's not the best, but, you know, you're getting there. I was like, well, that's a bit of a backhanded comment, but yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> he was like, tell you what, I'll knock 200 yen off of it for you. I was like, okay, fair enough. That's like a pound. Mm. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah cool. So then uh, that's that's awesome. So then I got, I managed to get uh, Squidge, uh, like a mint condition copy of Final Fantasy IX, the original release, not the platinum or nice. whatever, um, for like 
five quid, wow. which is that's one with all the artwork on the discs. Yeah, it? yeah, it was amazing. That's was cool. Amazing. I mean, talking to the guy, as long as you didn't ask in in Japanese, can I laminate your umbrella? I'm thinking, you're, all right. I, I mean, I may have asked that. That's the problem. <laughs> Possibly. <I> yeah. <laughs> but, he gave you money off just to get you out the door. He's yeah, yeah, not yeah. laminating my umbrella. The, the the point I'm getting at is that <laughs> like when you go to so Squidge and I were talking, uh, well, all three of us were talking just before we went live about um, there's a number of like video game fairs and stuff that you can go to mm-hmm. uh, where you can buy these games because people will import them or whatever. Mm. Um, although I'm pretty sure what happens is they have connections who fly to Japan with an empty suitcase, just walk in with a credit card and just, I'll have a suitcase uh, worth of games, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Cause most of them, when you're standing there and go, all oh, right, have you got X, Y, or Z? And they go, uh, <laughs> if it's not in the collection, it's not there sort of thing. But what I'm getting at is that you can get to one of those and you know, you've no idea whether the game is actually going to work. So it's mm. a risky business, True. especially now with the games being so old, you know, there's no yeah. real. Yeah. I was going to say, disc rot is a, is a real worry now. And, and you know, twenty year old games, if they've not been protected yeah. properly, you know, that's uh, that's yeah. definitely a worry. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been looking into uh, the video game preservation stuff that people do, and you know, a lot of people just they, they get the game, dump it to a hard drive, and then mm-hmm. throw it out on the internet somewhere in a in a preservation library. Mm. But uh, you know, that you're falling into a slightly. Uh, weird gray area of uh is it piracy is it not sort of thing so mm-hmm. oh yeah. if you're wearing a hat and a, an ipad <laughs> oh yeah and, and a parrot on your shoulder saying uh 12 and a half percent <laughs> yes little parrot chip reference for you there <laughs> Dreamcast! Dreamcast! so um talking a little bit about the book then so i i managed to order it just before there was some uh, thing about stopping the digital orders mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks back, and I managed to order a physical copy just before then. Uh, so hopefully my physical copy will arrive soon. But uh, where can folks go to get the book then? Is it uh, is it Dreamcast Years, the website, or is it can I go down to Waterstones or Amazon or something? <laughs> I wish. I wish you could go to Waterstones and get a copy. Um, <laughs> um, so at the moment, the physical copies, I've got very few left. Um, and I stopped pre-orders just to sort to enable me to send out the ones that had already been ordered. So yours is on the way. It is in the post as we speak. Mm. Um, so <laughs> that's good. Um, so yeah, the moment you can't get hold of a physical copy. However, um, when I come to do the Kickstarter for the new one, that's when the year one will be available again. Um, digital wise, I'm at the moment looking at the best way to put it out digitally. However, if anybody's listening to your podcast and they really want a copy, I do have some. So find me on Twitter, give me a message, and I'm sure I can sort something out. But um, yeah, otherwise, ha- have a look. Um, yeah, just keep a, keep an eye on my Twitter page, basically. And if I have them available, I'll let you know. And if not, pop me a message and I'll see what I can do. It does look like it's wonderfully printed, I've got to is, say. Is it one of those where the grin starts and ends uh, past the photo? Oh, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And, and just like <laughs> the, the design of it as well. There's these mm-hmm. wonderful... Um, almost like avatar pictures for each of the uh, people who were interviewed or contributors, mm-hmm. which are just, it's, it's, it's a lovely, lovely presentation. Mm. I have to say. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to ask about whether there's going to be a dreamcast year too, but I think you've just uh, answered it, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is really good. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but then, 
But then where do you stop? You know, because people are still actively developing things for the Dreamcast. Is it going to be Dreamcast year 25, Dreamcast year 26? <laughs> I was hoping. Yeah, well, I yeah. hope so too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in real life, for sure. Um, book-wise, I, I think I'd struggle. Like, there'd be, you'd get past year three, and then from year three to, like, year 15, there'd basically be nothing much to do. <laughs> like, just, like, a two-page a two page book. Like, <laughs> in this year... This person this... developed an e-book yeah. that could uh, play, emulate SNES games on there. So That's I did right. that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I had an interview with him. He, he said no comment. End of book. Half Life was finally dumped. <laughs> yeah, just be a list of that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think in terms of the books, I think I mean year, year two is is for sure. Um, and hopefully, I'm going to bring that to Kickstarter kind of middle of this year. Year three makes sense because that's kind of the tail end of when it was current. Beyond that, I don't know. I think I like the idea of having the books be about when the console was a current console um, rather than what happened afterwards. There's a lot, a lot of websites uh, these days kind of cover the Dreamcast as it is now in the homebrew scene and, um, you know, people's efforts to get it back online and to, you know, to hook it up to HDTVs, which is all brilliant. Um, But I think that, yeah, I think the books kind of stand alone as a look into how it all came to be and, and what the Dreamcast was to the people who originally uh, bought it and who, you know the, the developers who originally created games for it. So I think I'd probably at the maximum I'd probably go year four because I think there were still a few things going. But um, I, I reckon it's probably going to be a trilogy at this point. Uh, one, two, three. Okay. Yeah. Would would year four be sort of like towards? Would it be focused on like? I don't want to say a demise, but sort of like the the tail end of it. If you did a year four, would it be like the tail end and year four? Would definitely. I mean, there was there was not much doing in year four. To be perfectly honest, it was kind of the the, the last dregs of releases. Um, and then and then after that, it was it was literally it would just be it would just be a book about how all the other consoles launched and and Sega started porting things <laughs> over to them. Year three is kind of where you got the last proper big releases. So. I think that's why I'm I'm tempted to stop it at year three. I think year four would be would be interesting, but it would probably be fairly light on actual Dreamcast content because it would be mostly like yeah. Sega ported crazy taxis to the PS2, um, and that would yeah. be basically what it would be about. So I'm not sure how interesting that would be, and it wouldn't be very very much related to the Dreamcast itself. So yeah. Okay, so in your opinion, year Ooh. one, two, and three, which one was the golden year? Oh, two for sure. I just thought of this now. Two, two, definitely two. Two. Okay. two had the most. There was, was the was most games. Right. Yeah, like three had some amazing games, but two had the most. I mean, year two is when Shenmue came out, uh, Jet Set Radio, Space Channel Five, all the really big ones that people know the Dreamcast for. I think was year two. Year one was great, but year two was like, yeah, just before just before it all went wrong, <laughs> and uh, people still <laughs> thought that it could do all right. It was uh, that's that's yeah. Year two was the best. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. See, what I was thinking was, um, I wonder whether if someone would be, if someone did the same thing for, but for the Xbox, like Xbox Year One, mm-hmm. whether there would be like a crossover because obviously the Dreamcast hardware and the Xbox hardware is very similar, not the same, mm-hmm. but very similar. Mm-hmm. And like the disc format is very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and indeed the, the Dreamcast can be 
kind of in a blurry way thought of as like a beta version of the Xbox a prototype. Yeah, yeah, not just because kind it of. not just because I had support for a a tiny version of the Windows kernel, but also because of like I say the the copy protection was similar. The the games were easily portable across um, the controls. If you took away the idea of the black and the white button and yeah. the extra. Um, analog stick it was essentially mm-hmm. a dreamcast controller but in a slightly different mold yeah like if someone were to a do an xbox mold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah if someone were to do an xbox year one maybe they should do like a crossover and like xbox year one or xbox year zero or dreamcast year three i guess yeah I can't remember when the Xbox came out. Will you stop pitching ideas for books? <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is there's loads of books left for Andrew to write, is what I'm saying. It's true, it's true. And the Xbox <laughs> is a great console. So, you know, yeah. and it had a lot of Sega games on it, actually. And you are right, there's, I mean, a lot of people would say, I mean, even Bernie says it in the book as well, that people who bought the Xbox and the Xbox 360, they're essentially getting what the Dreamcast would have gone on to be or what Sega would have gone on to, to do. And Sega and Microsoft were actually fairly close. I mean, you know, like you said, uh, there was Windows CE on the Dreamcast. And I think Sega was very helpful with um, Microsoft when they kind of exited the hardware business. I think they were fairly, um, you know, they were they were happy to pass on some of their knowledge and the controller is very similar. I mean, the Xbox is the biggest, the first big console for online gaming. And that kind of took on the baton from the Dreamcast, which was the originator. So yeah, the, the Xbox absolutely is it is the next is the next if if sacred kept kept on going that's where it would have gone i think and uh there's a lot to talk about with the xbox as well and so many good sega games like gun valkyrie which was uh was released on the xbox the what's it panzer dragoon Order, just all these cool games that should have been on the dreamcast but ended up you know ended up going to the xbox instead so at least they found a home somewhere mm. Yeah, yeah, and like I say, even the 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 drive technology was was similar. Mm. The um, you know how the uh, the GD ROM had that first inch or so of the disc that was readable by normal drives. Yeah, same thing, but with with the Xbox, but it was sort of visually hidden away, and then um, except that it wasn't a high density disc after that, it was just a standard DVD. Mm. So yeah, same, almost the same idea. Um, mm. but then uh, it was it was even easier to back up the I'll leave a link in the in the show notes for a video but it was even easier to back up the Xbox games because someone had written an app it's amazing someone had written an app for uh for PC not even for Windows like for DOS that would switch the DVD drive into a slightly different mode and it would just literally dump the disk from start to be, start to end and such so much so that the pirated copies of Halo were released before the console was released wow <laughs> which is <laughs> just as a public service announcement the waffle and tails do not condone piracy in any oh, shape or form <laughs> absolutely absolutely i don't i don't condone it but like just that piece of history is just yeah. amazing to to think about and because like i say it was because the dvd drive was built on the same technology or rather similar technology mm. that uh that the dreamcast used except it was off the shelf dvds so there you go mm. interesting um So tell us, could you tell us a little bit about the the myriad podcasts that you do? The uh, the Dreamcast Year One, uh, I believe. Like I said earlier on, you're a contributor towards Switch Island and the the F1 slash COVID nineteen podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I got into podcasting around the same time as I was doing the book and it was because people were asking me to kind of come on and talk about the book when it was on Kickstarter and I was I'd never done podcasts before that and I was like okay I'll come on and have a chat. 
And I was like, I quite enjoy this. Actually, it's quite fun. Um, and I started listening to more of them myself. And um, I started listening to like um, the Switch Island. Um, and because I got a Switch at roughly the same time. So I was kind of very much into the Switch at the time. And um, it, as it turned out, one of the guys on the Switch Island, uh, Rich, um, is a huge Dreamcast fan. His 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 Twitter handle is at Dreamcast Barber. So, you know, he's a massive Dreamcast fan. So he basically was talking up the book on the on their podcast and they eventually got me on. And um, I kind of got to know all the guys and eventually just ended up kind of contributing. Um, and from that, I was like, I, I could do my own. So I kind of came up with the idea um, around that for to do the Dreamcast Years podcast and um, kind of look at, not just the Dreamcast, but um, with 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 the Dreamcast Years podcast, it's about gaming in general between 1997 and 2007, 2008. Sorry, I'm forgetting my own years. Um, 1997 <laughs> and 2008, um, because that's roughly when the Dreamcast was a current console. The last licensed Dreamcast game came out in 2007. Um, wow. So I kind of look for, look at that kind of time period, and then. Yeah, so that's my podcast, as it were. I kind of, uh, kind of guest and guest host on um, the Switch Island. Since since the book has been out, I've started to do more with the Dreamcast Junkyard as well because I know Tom. Tom obviously was interviewed in the book, and I got to chatting with them. So I kind of um, helped to host some of their podcasts now. And then, as you mentioned, the, the newest one is the F1, which Rich, uh, who I've just mentioned, he's a huge F1 fan, and I've kind of started to get into it recently. And he was like, "I want to do my own project." and F1 seemed like the best thing to do. So it was, okay, what, what can we do? And uh, we, we know a guy called Mark, who's also huge. He's like the encyclopedia of F1, um, a walking encyclopedia of F1. And so we were like, okay, well, the three of us can do it. I'm the noob, you know, me, I'm the noob. Um, I don't know much about F1 as such, but I enjoy it. So I'll kind of be like the the, the guy who plays dumb most of the time, because um, I am in, in that term. Um, and yeah, so we do, uh, that's the uh, the three pricks in a podcast. Um, uh, podcast. <laughs> uh, definitely pronounced that way as well. It's spelled P-R-I-X, but we do pronounce it pricks. Um, <laughs> so far we've had one episode and it's just literally us talking about um, how uh, COVID-19 has affected uh, the season. But yeah, I, I think it's just, I mean, you guys know because you you host one and you've just said that you've got like three that you do. It's just such a fun format to to, to have. Um, you know, like I'm not a fan of video stuff basically because I, I think this, I'm pointing to my face as is, I think this isn't uh, camera worthy. So I <laughs> like hiding behind the mic. Um, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a nice format to, it's almost like it's chatting with friends, but everybody else can listen and uh and hopefully enjoy it and get some entertainment value out of it and i think that's especially what i wanted to do with with dreamcast years podcast because it is just the three of us chatting and having a bit of a laugh and uh you know rich has basically not played most of the games that we talk about so it's always a it's always a fun time but yeah so that's kind of that's what i do podcasting wise there's a lot i have i have been told that maybe i should cut back on the podcast but we'll see i'll probably just do more just to spite everybody if you're having fun doing it, then keep doing exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. You, you I know, mean, with the amount that he's on. Well, he's I on mean, a fair few. <laughs> we'll come to that in a second. But uh, <laughs> like, so the reason that we're a podcast is because we started as a blog, just writing about video games. Yeah. That just, you tricked me into. I did not. I did not. So <laughs> dear listeners, this is how the, this is how the whole thing started. It was really late one evening. I think it was like December 12th or something one night. And I kind of, I'd, I'd already started blogging about this uh, programming framework called .NET Core, which was brand new at the time. And I was like, oh, wow, 
the 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 web host I've signed up for gives me unlimited subdomains. Hey Squidge, do you want to start a blog about like video games and that? And he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> so I took that as a yes. <laughs> and then like a year and a half later, we had like two hundred articles just about random little video games. Wow. And then I was like, "Hey Squidge, do you want to start a podcast?" And he was like. <laughs> Yeah, so I took uh, that as a no, yes. No, 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 that, that's an absolute <laughs> lie. He he asked if we started a blog, what would you call it? And I was I was getting ready for to go my my, my job at the time. I was on nights and I hadn't slept. I said, "What about I don't know?" It's, it's um, waffling Taylor boys. And he went silent for six minutes, and then I got a message saying it's been registered. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I've got the door. And then <laughs> the start of the podcast, he literally just turned up with a mic and said, "Let's record something." <laughs> oh, Amazing. Okay. Well, I want. Yeah, I wanted to see whether it was viable first. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we've we've become slightly more professional. Uh, sorry, slightly. <laughs> he says banging he says the mic whilst bashing his head into the mic. Yeah, <laughs> one of the things that I'd love to ask uh, both of you, actually, Squidge and Andrew. Mm. I'm on um, the spot now. Yeah, yeah you <gasps> both know about this, but you didn't know I was going to ask you, Squidge. Mm. Oh. Um, is that um, in later episodes we're adding new things to the format? And one of those things is convince me to try. Right. So one of the ideas I came up with was. If you, what did I actually write down? Here we go. Let's have a look. Convince me to try. Here we go. So yeah, the aim, the aim of the convince me to try uh, segment is to convince someone who's never tried it to try either a game or a console. And I feel like this would be a perfect episode to talk about what would you do to convince someone to try the Dreamcast? Would it be a specific game? Would it be a series of games? I know that um, one of Andrew's favorite games, because I listen to DCY is uh, Shenmue, but like, which game would it be? Or which games would it be? Mm-hmm. You would say, hey, you're a complete noob. You've never played Dreamcast before. Here you go. There's the there's the weird-shaped controller. There's the memory card sticking in the back. Don't worry about the, the loud beep that happens when you turn it on. <laughs> Play this game. Mm. Who are you actually asking here first? So uh, both of you. Either either can go first. I'll give you a, Talk at the same a time. moment to think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Right? Three, two, one, go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll go. I've got. I've got. I think it has to be a series of games. You can't. There's not just one game that you can give to somebody to say because people have such different tastes as well. So if it was going to convince, try and convince anybody to get the Dreamcast, I think there's probably I'm going to say five games that I think are, are essential um, to different aspects. So Shemu, like you mentioned, is definitely one of them because it, it shows a side of the Dreamcast which is a bit more serious, and it kind of it's also a game that kind of it started the whole open world stuff that we have today the games like assassin's creed and and countless open world games are a debt to shemu and, and what it started and it, it invented qts and whether you love or hate qts most people hate them whether you love or hate qts <laughs> it invented them um so it's kind of got it, it has it's video game history if nothing else even if you even if you end up not liking Shemu, which Steve on the podcast on DCY does not like Shemu for various reasons. But um, <laughs> if you, even if you don't like it, you can appreciate it as um, the piece of gaming history that it is and it, how important it was to the Dreamcast. Um, on top of that, I won't be so wordy about the rest. Um, Power Stone, because <laughs> it is a, an absolutely awesome non-Sega um, arcade title, um, which is fighting game. It's a fighting game, but it's in all three dimensions. You can run wherever you want. You can pick up items and throw them, and it's it's just so much fun. On top of that, fighting game-wise, Soul Calibur, because it's a Dreamcast game that has it's aged so well. You could play it now, and you would think that it, you know it's just... I don't know. It, it's amazing. I think it doesn't need much more said than that. Um, <laughs> the other two would be um, Space Channel 5, 
because it's quirky and weird and that's what the dreamcast was and <laughs> it was just yeah, absolutely bizarre um and i think the last one for me i mean I, there's so many great dreamcast games so i find it difficult but i think the last one would probably be um Jetset radio because again it shows off that quirkiness um but also it adds a, a, a level of depth and coolness that i think a lot of, you know the end of the 90s beginning of the 2000s was um i'm putting air quotes here very cool in its own special way and jet set radio kind of encapsulates that with the music and the cell shading and um yeah and all those games together just for me it shows the arcade heritage of the dreamcast it shows how innovative it was and it shows um what could have been if sega had more time so yeah that's what I would. That was what I would use to convince people to play the Dreamcast. And I think that. I, I, oh, I'll add a sixth just for the online function. Play uh, Fancy Star Online because the online function. There we go. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fantasy Star Online. Yeah. Um, apart from one, I would possibly make people grateful for the games they're playing now. So I would put them through some of the more either controller or mechanic annoying games <laughs> so for example tokyo highway battle mm-hmm. i love that game make everyone do it in reverse right i would put them on like uh, tomb raider last revelation because the controls were just bonkers mm-hmm. i would put them on just the more weird titles but i'd, I'd sit them down and say you're gonna love these i'll lock the door <laughs> I'll come back later on. And if you don't love them, I'll lock the door again. Um, so, it'd be, so it'd be them two. It'd be, um, let's see, uh, Psychic Force 2012, because that was just, mm-hmm. I could never figure out the controls for that. I just button mash. Resident Evil 2 and 3, mm, but more 2, because you had the, the memory card. It told you your health and your ammo mm-hmm. count, yeah, which I thought PMU, was, yeah. it was it was off-putting, especially if you're trying to run for your life and you're looking down, then you're bashing into a wall. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's that. And then there's the the obvious awesome game, which I still play to this day, which is Star Online. Yeah. I uh, I can't get enough of that. That's the game where I can just zone out for days on end and play. Yeah, I think I think for me, there are only a few. Fantasy Star Online would have to be one of them because it showed off what the online play could be. Yeah. Because you had that, that huge lobby and uh, the game opened up online. I mean, yes, the single player was just four stages and, uh, and you know, it was the way that I described Fantasy Star Online to, uh, to non-Dreamcast friends is, have you ever sat and wondered and thought, Gee, I wish they made a JRPG that used Dance Dance Media. It's essentially that because it's a rhythm game. Mm. You, know, you have to time your attacks correctly. But yeah, I, I, because of the sprawling nature of it, and it looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I play it almost all the time. In fact, catching up with DCY, I was actually playing PSO uh, just wow. because uh, for the same reason Squidge said, you know, I just like to zone out and just run around and, you know, wipe things out and stuff. For me, it would be Fancy Star Online. It would be a Resident Evil Code Veronica, mm-hmm. just oh. because of like it was a huge technical step up yeah. from Resident Evil Three. It was um, a major pain in. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I hate to keep quoting it, but there was some parts on DCY where you guys brought it up, and you, somebody had said how you walk into a room and there's a swinging light and mm-hmm. the shadows moved the way that they would normally. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a part where you have to get into a run through a swimming pool and the animation of the water ripples. ripples yeah. You you couldn't recreate that on PS2 and they struggled to recreate it. Uh, sorry, on PlayStation and they struggled to recreate it on PS2 when they ported it. Mm-hmm. Um, because just the hardware was there and ready to be used. For the so what you're saying is Cove Veronica play the Dreamcast version because it's the best. 
Pretty much, yeah. Because it is. Well, well, well I mean, it, it, it isn't, isn't. Because, well, if you if you can speak Japanese and read <laughs> Japanese, then there's the uh, Code Veronica X. The Japanese version had that. We, we didn't get that here. If you want to play Code Veronica X here, GameCube's probably the best version. Because I think they did they did pretty well with the GameCube version for that, mm. I reckon. Mm-hmm. Personal preference, mm-hmm. maybe. but. <laughs> Maybe so. And then the last one that I'd recommend, just because it is, it it is my favorite game on the console. It's my favorite port of this particular game, and that's Shadow Man. Mm. Uh, the UK, the, the EU release had <laughs> suffered from with these issues with sometimes the sound would go out of balance, so you'd get like it would over over modulate the audio, so it would go instead of up to one hundred, it go up to one hundred and fifty, and you couldn't hear anything. You'd blow the speakers in your TV. But other than that, it's a really creepy. Like if you actually get involved with the story and allow yourself to suspend that disbelief and, and join in with the story, it's really creepy and horrid. So if you're into that creepy horridness, I've probably just shown everyone how really terrible of a person I am. But if you're into that creepy <laughs> horrid spoopiness, then yeah, definitely. And because the because the Dreamcast had such such better graphics hardware than the N64 or the PlayStation, which were the other two ports at the time, there was a PC port afterwards. It allowed you to see things in slightly higher def, and you could see when it was people, smoother as well. Yeah, yeah. It, it was such a such a really good game. But I, they, I seem to remember when it came to Shadow Man, he, um, this guy here, his copy of Shadow Man was a bit jittery, so he had to go get a new version of it. Mm. And he got it, and it was a European version. You know, he got I was it, took so it up, happy, wasn't and it? And then, yeah. he was so happy, and then he plugged it in, <laughs> turned it on. The menu was all fine. Yeah, yep. He started it, and it started the intro bit where uh, Jack the Ripper is talking, and you're going through the sewers, yep. but it was all in German, yeah. and I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. Take it back to the store, because somehow they told me the German yeah, can, version can, again. I, I need to switch it for an English version. This is in German, but to hear that entire thing in German, he left it going. Yeah, it was... <laughs> you had English subtitles, but it was all in German, and to hear some dude speaking in German, but with a Legion voice... <laughs> It I was, fell off my chair laughing. It was weird. It was one. I think it was one of the very few games that was released in Europe. But at least the the, the English version, and the German version, were on two separate discs. Like because of presumably because of the media, because mm-hmm. there was that much audio throughout the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, there you go. But yeah, yeah, I like that. Hearing some dude's voice in German with the the echo for Legion. Yeah. Just it just did me in. I couldn't stop <laughs> laughing. It's hilarious. <laughs> Okay, uh, so one of the other things I'd love to do, uh, if it's okay, if we've got time, is we often have people on and we talk about the Thunder Planes. Mm. Now, uh, if you haven't played it, Final Fantasy X, right? Yeah, Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy X has this idea of the Thunder Planes where people get banished to and stuff. Because uh, essentially we had this idea of Desert Island Discs, mm-hmm. uh, just ripping that off. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah. ooh, it is, it's a ripoff of Desert yeah. Island Discs, right? But with video games. And then we had on a friend, uh, who is, uh, Lulu, who is a huge fan of Final Fantasy. We renamed it Thunder Playing Games because it's Final Fantasy. She's a huge Final Fantasy fan. And then it kind of stuck. And then we noticed Arcade Attack stole the idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we've stuck with Thunder Plane and they've stuck with Desert Island Discs. But I was wondering, um, so the, the rules of the game are, uh, if you're willing to play, Andrew, is mm-hmm. that you've been trapped in the Thunder Plains. Mm-hmm. You will get help at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is that before you get trapped there, you're allowed to take a number of video games with you. 
Um, they can be internet connected video games, okay. but you are not allowed to ask for help Ooh. because help is coming, okay. but you just don't know when. Right. right. Okay. I've twisted the rules ever so slightly <laughs> for this one. Um, in that, uh, I originally said two games for the Dreamcast, but Squidge said one just to make it more difficult. But uh, we're going to stick with, we'll, million. we'll stick with two. We'll stick with two. So, uh, the, 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 the rule specifically for this one is, two dreamcast games from the first year only but that first year can be the first year japan the first year america the first year eu the first year australasia because each of those first years mm-hmm. is a sliding scale right right and then uh then two games for any other system and the idea oh. is that you'll be provided with the systems to play them and the connectivity and all that kind of stuff when you get there mm-hmm. all right it's difficult, right? Because you've got to pick a game, pick four games that you'd be happy to play for a long time, yeah. an indeterminate amount of time. It could be a day, it could be a week, it could be a year, or it could be the length of the COVID nineteen outbreak. We don't. Know. <laughs> also, just to add uh, really quickly, add for the, the terms of the podcast, we are not banishing Andrew to Thunderplay Games. This is theoretical. We're not. We're not just going <laughs> to chuck him there and give him the stuff and say, right, we'll see you later. No, because the, the transport is broken, right? Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> I thought these guys outside my window here to take me away. It's just, just looking at me. That's oh, right, scary. right. That's got nothing to do with this. <laughs> that's, that's for a different podcast. Oh, crap. <laughs> that's for the Switch Island, right? <laughs> <laughs> what, what would be your two Dreamcast games? And two, I mean, they could all be, they could all four be Dreamcast games. Mm. It could be three Dreamcast games. It could be two for the Dreamcast, two for any other console, whatever you wanted. Um, for the Dreamcast, I think. In the first year, there are, there are two, there are two that definitely stand out as as the best and ones that I'd probably be happy to play forever and ever. And those are the first two games I ever got for the Dreamcast, which are um, Power Stone and the other one being Crazy Taxi. I mean, mm-hmm. those two games are just uh, you know if. if Power Stone is probably better with two people. I'm guessing I'm on my own on this island um, for the for the foreseeable, but. Well, it has it has network connectivity, so I'm, I I never played Power Stone. So if Power Stone has network connectivity, it's couch couch co-op only, uh, couch yeah, fighting. Okay. Um, that's fine. I'll just I'll get I'll get like a coconut and put a face on it and pretend it's playing the yeah, other right, one. Yeah, do the whole Wilson thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> or, or the second pad you can learn to play it with your feet. Or that, yes, that's I'll be. Um, I'll be adept at like uh, doing two player games on my own by the time I get back. Um, so yeah, power, power Stone. To be fair, it's great. It's great single player anyway. There's a lot to do, um, and it's just a really polished experience as far as fighting games go. And as far as I mean, it's a very particular kind of fighting game that I don't think has been replicated since. Um, so yeah, I think that would be one crazy taxi. Just for the fact that it is just balls to the wall fun the entire the entire thing you know you could play that for hours and hours and have a different experience every time or just kind of you know hone your skills uh, it's great so those two games are probably those are the ones that i would probably take with me because i'd have a lot of fun with those and i could kind of interchange between the two of them and uh you know so i wouldn't get bored very easily which would be good hmm. uh should i jump just jump straight into the other two if you want to, okay. yeah. I mean, like yeah. I said, you could do two from one, two for another, whatever, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Okay. So I think I don't know if this is going to be cheating. I feel like I'm going to cheat slightly here. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the Xbox version of. <laughs> um, so I, know, I, guess, uh, I was I was about to say where replay because that's like thirty games, but no, um, not that. Um, it, I, so <laughs> one of my favorite games, as you know, is Resident Evil. The best version of the first Resident Evil is the remake. They did such a fantastic job with the GameCube remake, um, and since then they've ported it to the PS4, and you can get the 
disc copy, which contains, it's the Origins collection. So it's Resident Evil 0, Resident Evil 1. So if we're saying this disc that has these two games on it, I'm going to class totally. that as one. That's totally allowed. Yeah, yeah. You can take um, the, you're taking the disc with you. Yeah, right? exactly. A collection of games on a disc and it's yeah, one right? disc. Yeah. So maybe yeah. we should change it slightly to a, a media container. But then what about Steam, right? So yeah, yeah we'll say, we'll, say yeah. we'll allow it. We'll I'll, allow I'll it. take that hard drive full through. Yeah. So yeah, I take that because Zero isn't the best Resident Evil game, but because it is the same, um, it's a good Resident Evil game. It's not the best. It's, it's because it's in the same style as the the remake it's it's nice to have them as a pair because they kind of belong together now um they're they're intrinsically linked together and they're best played together um so i'd for sure take those because i'd need my horror fix of some of some kind if i'm on a desert island i I love horror games and resident evil are some of the best so if they're together and that's my third game technically um my fourth game since i'm allowed to play online um i'm, I'm struggling with this one because um so my original pick was going to be fortnite because i got way into fortnite end of last year beginning of this year and i've wrapped up like 170 hours playing fortnite so far i'm just absolutely i, I don't know the, the social aspect of it playing in a squad with with the guys from the switch island has been like so fun but it literally in the last week, um, Call of Duty Warzone has come out on the PlayStation 4. And that, I'm, I'm now addicted to that. That is like the next step up for Battle Royale yeah. games, like 150 people, uh, this huge map. Um, it's a bit more serious, a little bit more serious than, um, than Fortnite. There's vehicles and all that kind of stuff. And the way they deal with, um, with death in that game is fantastic because, you know, like a, a Battle Royale game, if you get killed, unless somebody can get to you in time and revive you, you're out. That's it. Whereas, Call of Duty Warzone, if you uh, get killed completely and somebody can't get to you to revive you, the first time that happens, you go to the Gulag, which is like this, um, it's like this weird, um, gothic, horrible, like prison place. Um, and you wait there to be pitched against another player who's also died in a one on one battle to the death. Um, <laughs> and if you, if you win, you get, um, airdropped straight back into the fight and if you lose you can hang around and if you've still got your friends um, are still playing then they can buy you back if they can earn enough money in the game they can buy you back so you're never really truly gone unless the whole squad dies so there's something about that it means that you can it keeps you engaged much longer than maybe a game of Fortnite would do um, so I think maybe I don't know I am struggling because Fortnite I've played so much in just for the newness of it and the fact that I could probably play it for a long time, um, I'd probably take Call of Duty Warzone as my uh, as my fourth game, perhaps. So, when, when you airdrop back in, you're just given like a flick knife and a pineapple, is that it? <laughs> you get equipped. It's basically as bad as that. Is. You just get the standard <laughs> pistol, um, which is basically just about as useful as a as a as a pen knife and a and a, and a pineapple. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out, upcoming months, mod for modern warfare. Pen knife and a pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> and the pineapple's more deadly. Yeah, probably would be as well. Taxi. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Um, so I'm going to drop this one on the pair of you then. Oh, here we go. The surprise thing, right? I think we've kind of done this before with you, Squidge, anyway. So you're both fans of Resident Evil, right? Mm-hmm. Quick, really quick, top three Resident Evil games each. Ooh. In reverse order, three to one. Do you want to go first? In reverse order. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, yeah. Um, <laughs> jeez, that is putting me on the spot. My goodness, I'm, I'm thinking back through them. Okay, okay. Um, uh, Resident Evil Two Remake as three. Mm. Um, Resident Evil 
uh, Resident Evil 1 Remakers 2 and my my top Resident Evil game, which is probably not everybody's choice, is Resident Evil 3, the original. I haven't played the remake yet. Um, I love Resident Evil 3. Best one in my books. Okay. What about you, Squidge? Revelations 2. Yeah, yeah. Um, Resident Evil 2 Dreamcast Edition with the Extreme Battle Mode. Mm-hmm. And Resident Evil Gaiden on Game Boy. Ooh. He always throws that That's one out. A good always pick. throws that one out. I love that one. <laughs> the weird battle system in that was fantastic. The first person having to like it's like almost like yeah. um I can't what it was now. It was good. I can't remember. What did you how did you describe it to Arcade Attack? It's um Resident Evil Gaiden is kinda like a uh, rock band. Yes. There's no music and no <laughs> instruments, but you are on a ship playing as I'll say this because he makes me say this. Barry Mother. Because that's his real name, right? <laughs> With a gun and zombies. So it's like Rock Band, but not. Yeah, yeah. It's a really it's good game way to color. describe it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Resident Evil game, it's like Rock Band, but not. Yeah, right. Excellent. Okay, I like that. I like I like that I dropped that. I spent way too you. much time on that game as a game. You, you say that, but if, like I said earlier on, if you're having fun, mm. you know, you're not hurting that's anyone, true. you're not doing anything illegal, Very true. you're having fun. And you've got like three different versions of it up there, haven't you? I've got my original version, which isn't boxed. I've got a promo-only Japanese copy. Wow. Yeah. I, to be honest, I have no idea how I got that. But <laughs> it was I'm a director of that. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's that case of uh, some people. Sometimes the sellers don't really know what they've got, mm. don't realize what they've got, and so you go, "Wow, yeah." If I if I'm really calm and really collected and really quiet as I go up, they won't realize I'm getting them. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's, that's I still cool. envy Ike, his pickup that I I sort of went, you get it. There was a, We were at a, a retro fair and there was a collection and it was um, Fantasy Star Online version, uh, Fantasy Star Online for, for Cube, Fantasy Star 3, the card game, mm-hmm. and a GameCube modem in a box. I saw it. He saw it. I sort of looked at it and I went, go on before I change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> How much? How much was it? It cost him about 50 quid. Wow. It was it was it wasn't sealed but it was in perfect condition everything yeah. inside. That's amazing. To a point where I said just grab it before I change yeah. my mind. I'll turn my back. I'm not looking at this. I wouldn't have been so controlled. I'd have just grabbed straight for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was we both saw it. We both looked at each other and it was sort of like a standoff. And I went, "Just take it. Just take it. I know it's in good hands. Just take it." Well, Never seen it since, but yeah. Just take it. Go on. <laughs> well, there we go. Excellent. Okay. Um, so, uh, coming up towards the end of the podcast now, I guess. Um, so what we usually do is we sort of go around the, the sort of metaphorical table and talk about where folks can get in contact with us. But first of all, we'll start again with Andrew and, uh, where's the best place? I know you've said that you've stopped the pre-orders mm-hmm. and you said earlier on that if folks want to get a copy of the book, they can maybe wangle one by contacting you over Twitter or something. Yeah. But what's the best way to keep up with uh, you, the status of a potential second book, uh, the podcasts that you do, <laughs> all of those? What's the best way to, to find out all about that? Um, well, uh, my uh, Twitter handle is at oddment84. Um, my bio has like a link to all of the different podcasts. So if you're interested in that, um, at Dreamcast Years is, is the Dreamcast Years podcast, if you want to go for that. Um, but yeah, um, at oddment84 is the best place um, to find me. And obviously anything to do with the second book is there. And uh, yeah, if you do want to, grab a physical copy of uh, the book. Uh, yeah, just drop me a message on Twitter um, and let me know. And I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, uh, Squidge, do you want to do our socials or do you want me to do it? You do. I can't remember. 
is easy. It's anything. It's like dot com forward slash waffle and tailors. So like Facebook dot com. You've got a lot of faith in me to remember that. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting you to remember more than two words. No, that's you. I can remember three. I've been practicing. So if you go over to <laughs> check check the uh, whatever podcatcher you're using to listen to this in, um, there'll be some show notes in there. Uh, if you're using a mobile phone or anything like that, you can press through to the show notes. There'll be a link to uh, Andrew's Twitter on there and a link through to, at the very least, to Dreamcast Years, the uh, the podcast. Yeah. And we'll also put links in there to the show notes for this. So what we do is we put the sort of redacted show notes into the player. And then if you press a link, you'll get almost like a meta analysis not really a meta analysis but i type up some more notes about the show and put together tables of uh games we've talked about and links to stuff and embeds of youtube and stuff uh so head over to that that will be at wafflingtails.rocks and then forward slash a bunch of stuff but that that will be figured out towards the when this episode comes out but there'll be a link in your in your podcatcher um definitely check out andrew's stuff and if you get the chance definitely check out the book because like i say i really i enjoyed it I enjoyed reading it, and it's a it's a really well designed book as well. I love the uh, the art style for it. Um, but yeah, uh, check those out and play Dreamcast. Yes, yes. yes. If you Very know, play that's the Dreamcast. It, right? If you've never played a Dreamcast before and you know someone who has one, see if you can go around to their house. I mean, maybe not now that COVID nineteen is getting up. No. Um, you know, see see what you can do about trying it out. I don't recommend piracy, but uh, check out the Flycast emulator, which is the Dreamcast emulator that's now accepted as the the going forward version of Raycast. Uh, if you can't get a physical release, uh, if not, uh, track down some of the GameCube, uh, the Game some of the uh, Dreamcast games that appeared on other formats as well. Like we mentioned earlier on, Shenmue One and Two were ported to uh, Xbox. You've got Jet Grind Future, which was Jet Set Radio. Uh, like a sequel on the Xbox, and there are games like uh, Code Veronica came out and practically everything. <laughs> so tra- track those down and have a, a feel for what it was like to play those games. And yeah, Power Stone has been ported to everything. It hasn't. Was good, uh, uh, hasn't it? Power Stone only has got ported to PSP. So if you want to play it, you either have to have a Dreamcast or a PSP, which is a, sh- oh, it's a crying shame because it's fantastic. Well, well, that's all right for me. I've got both. There you go. Maybe that's it. <laughs> maybe we need to get in. Maybe this is the start of it. We need to start a petition to get Capcom to uh, port it to everything. Yes. Right? Must. Maybe there could be a Capcom collection of games that are similar to Power Stone. That isn't Mega Man. Yeah, right? <laughs> or <What's> Street <laughs> <Why> Fighter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My goodness. The, the amount of jokes we have about like Street Fighter 2 Turbo X mm-hmm. Alpha beta gamma guitar hero version or something stupid <laughs> like that's ridiculous but hey they make their money you know that's yeah. how they do it but yeah uh, definitely check out waffling we'll put loads of links over to andrew's stuff mm. and you should definitely be checking out at least uh dreamcast years i haven't had a chance to listen to a lot of switch island yet and and uh yeah definitely check out all of the podcasts that he does because he's a really nice chap mm. and uh the book is definitely worth it definitely go find that if you can Thank you for being on the show, Andrew. It's a great pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you very much for having me. It's been wonderful to speak to both of you. Thank you ever so much. Intro music is Behind the Lines by Ian Sutherland. 
Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GH. Spoiler break music is Spectral Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette cleansing music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Gay. See the show notes for more details. The Waffling Tailors podcast is a proud member of the J&J Media Network. To find out more about J&J Media, head over to jayandjay.media or check the show notes for a link.